0: This is Margaret Komen Frankwitz with another episode of Diabetic Survival. Okay, I actually do have a topic about diabetics today. Yes, I know I've gone on like a little bit of a rampage where I wasn't talking about diabetics, but I kind of was. So, you know, it's like one of those things where people are going, but what about me? What should I do? Well, you know, I always try to give something back to you. So hopefully you give back to me too. So, sometimes I need the support, too. I do. Um, Venmo. I want to tell you about Venmo really quickly. Venmo was something that my brother actually introduced to me, um, what was it, a couple years ago, after I was in an accident, like a car accident, and I was actually in a bad place. And, um, not that I like being in bad places, I don't, okay, but it was an app that actually came in very handy in case of emergency, or... Sometimes it's not an emergency. I guess it depends who you are and who your support networks are. But anyways, Venmo was awesome to actually help get funds to me quickly when I needed it. And uh, much easier than going to a bank and then like paying like a $20 transfer fee and stuff of that nature. Venmo doesn't charge that. So they, I guess they, they actually do things a tad bit differently so it does hook up to your bank account so you're probably going to need to get a bank account first but um, they have this special hopefully it's still running because it says it expires in 14 days but the link is still up um, but they have this thing where and, and just to give you a little bit about Venmo you, can, uh, Venmo you can send money, shop and earn rewards and right now you can earn $10 when you send at least $5 to another person on Venmo Using a funding source like linked to your account. So this is still up right now. So um, I think it's been past the 14 days though. But you can still sign up. It's still a worthy service. <laughs> so um, they still have a link up though. So I think they're still giving away the free money. Yes, I said free. So see, I'm helping you out financially too. Okay. If you don't have anybody send $5 to you, send it to me. I could really use it right now. But more than likely, you know somebody who could use that $5, okay? So, after you send them $5, then Venmo's gonna, you know, bless you with $10. And it's like, yes, free money! So, uh, you know, in, in the Philippines, they make that in a day. That's what they make in a day. It's $10 to do the same type of work that I do. It's like, in a day. That's not per hour, people. That's a day. Like, that, that would mean the world to somebody in the Philippines, right? Keep that in mind. They're really sweet people there, too, by the way, for the most part. Some of them are mean, but I've only, only talked to mainly good sources over there. Okay. So the referral link is... Go ahead and write this down. i got a piece of paper for this. It is HTTPS. And then you got the little, you know, two dots. The two backslashes. And then it's underscore... Not underscore. No, underscore. Just lowercase G-E-T dot. Venmo, which is v-e-n-m-o dot com slash and then it's a capital X lowercase n-s-w-f uppercase u-w-t-t and then a, a lowercase u-b okay, so hopefully you got that because that was really hard to say I'll try to have that in the description I think I forgot to put it in the last episode But, um, or if you want to go ahead and send me some money, that's great too, because I could really use some right now. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, let's get on with our programming. So I want to talk about the keto thing. You know, I'm, I'm a keto person, so I'm really excited talking about keto. Keto has kept me going for a very long time, an absurdly long time to where most people probably who hate me are probably going my god is she going to die already like she just needs to die like be gone out. well no 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 hold up there haters i've got god on my side so you know what whatever hate to rain on your parade but you know what go troll somebody else okay (laughs) all right so now that that's said and done so about me and keto. I love keto. Keto's a great diet. I can't really say I'm on a keto diet though because I do eat a lot of meat. It would actually be considered more of like an Atkins diet, but I call it keto because I'm ignorant like that. Um the whole point is is, is even my doctor's admitted has has said this is that People who think they're on keto, very few of them actually reach ketosis. It's really difficult. Now, it's not impossible. I have actually had the test strips where I've actually been able to test and stuff, but it is is pretty impossible. (laughs) On the keto diet, you're eating a lot of fat, like 80% of your calories are out of fat. And so it's not something that's really desirable. It's like, oh, yeah, go drink a liter of olive oil. You should be just fine. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you did that, you'd be completely full. You'd also feel very weird and um, probably not as desirable as you think it is. But um, some more Atkins. So I do like meat, but I also like my veggies, too. So... I think that if you had to label me, I I wouldn't be keto, and I wouldn't be Atkins. Um, I do eat a lot of meat, and I probably will die early for that, I guess. But, for whatever reason, um, that's what I prefer. But I do actually portion out my, my food sizes as well, so, um try to try to stick to the guidelines like i do know that that's correct with my guidelines about you know eating meat like you should only have red meat like twice a week people and it should be the size of a deck of cards i know miserable right we all want that big thick hamburger from some mom and pop shop that is well above the limits of what we think is like the deck of cards right (laughs) so yeah um you shouldn't be eating that ground beef anyways i'll tell you why That ground beef now mind you i do eat ground beef but rare i do eat it actually i do eat it it is rare though um i do prefer steak not only is it just because of my own preferences it's because steak has not been ground up because it was old (laughs) Because that's usually what ground beef is, is old meat. I'm not saying every butcher shop does it that way. Maybe some actually do put fresh meat, but it makes sense. I mean, once the steak is not appealing anymore, it makes great ground beef. And um, that's not bad or anything, it's just that by that time it's picked up some microbes and that's usually in your, your ground beef, plus some other undesirable things. And at least, you know, if you have a steak, you can actually see what's in it. So if it's marbled, you can see that. And by, when I say marbled, I mean, you know, for those who don't know, I'm sure everybody knows what marbled is. But if in case you don't, it's just like the the fat flecks that are flakes, I should say, that are in the meat. Or maybe sometimes there's a streamline of it. But you need to kind of like be able to judge what you're going to be putting in your body. You should be able to make that choice. And if you want to cut the fat off, you cut the fat off. So, um, but, you know, of course, eating chicken and fish is is highly desirable over eating beef, and actually eating just fish is more desirable over chicken, but then, of course, there's some fish that are just way too contaminated to eat on a regular basis, so it's kind of like a hmm moment, you know, it's like, hmm, maybe vegetables are not such a bad (laughs) thing! Um, And they're not. Um, But, you see, the vegetables have carbs in them. You know, it's like the natural carb. There's nothing wrong with eating carbs, by the way. You're just a diabetic that cannot take in a lot of carbs. Like, I would stay away from the processed breads. I would stay away from processed cheese, if you can help it. Sometimes you can't always help that, um, and it's okay. But just be aware of what you're eating. Like, regularly, if you put it in your mouth, be aware of what you're eating and what it's going to do to your blood sugar so um it's awfully weird you know you, you you go and you stop by someplace, and you need a quick bite to eat but let's say everything's processed like everything like it was the worst place to eat in the world you you ended up choosing a hot dog i've done it plenty of times unfortunately not necessarily the greatest product one i have no idea what it has in there and that hot dog um, unless you're Costco, then you know it's an all beef hot dog. <laughs> but <laughs> there's a lot of places where they use three types of, of, of meats, you know, chicken, pork, beef, whatever they can find. And it always tastes about the same. Hot dogs taste like bologna, it's processed. You know, they, they do that on purpose. I don't know if we want to know what the natural taste is like because we may not eat that ever again. But okay. So let's say you're doing something bad and eating a hot dog. Like, people... You, you're gonna need to get out of your comfort zones, okay? You're, like, probably not gonna want to do this because people are probably watching you. <laughs> and they're probably gonna think you're weird for doing it. But you're hungry. And there's nothing, like, literally nothing hot, on the hot menu anyways, that you want to eat. Um, except for maybe a hot dog, let's say. There's nothing wrong with just... Um, Taking that hot dog out of the bun and just eating the hot dog. I know, weird people. I know, I know. It's like you're leaving the best part. You know, the nice, soft, bready parts. Just think of it like sugar. It's kind of, sugar's bad. Okay. <laughs> They're even telling normal people sugar's bad. So I mean, come on. You know it's not good for you. You know my doctor told me a long time ago, no sugar. That's all he told me. That's all he had to say. I had to think past that, past the sugar, because I'm like, I'm not consuming any sugar, so what's going on? So I had to think past the sugar and go, okay, all right, doc, you got it. Your carbs convert to sugar. What can I do that, that eliminates that process? Get rid of the sugar, people. Get rid of it. Don't drink regular soda pop, unless it's diet. You can drink diet soda i'm not gonna tell you to drink all you want but i'm gonna say uh drink a diet soda as compared to a regular soda and as for the hot dog if you have to eat the hot dog take the bun off i'm even guilty of eating the bun i mean am i following my own advice sometimes sometimes i don't sometimes i need that delicious bun and i pay for it in the long run because i can definitely feel my blood sugars when they shift at night and They definitely shift if I've eaten that bun, but another thing I did, and I I wanted to make note of this because, um, or at least share this with you, because you may end up in the same situation I was, where um, you get tired during the day and, you know, your medications are to blame. You're taking a high blood pressure medication. You're taking a metformin and you're just freaking tired you could have been wide freaking awake you had like four pots of coffee and you're not awake you just need a nap and it doesn't matter i mean you could be ready to go to work and your body is just so lethargic and so tired see this is one of the the problems that we have as diabetics right i think i found a way to counteract this and it's gonna sound so silly and so dumb Like, it took me years to figure this out. Like, up until last week. (laughs) So 12 years I've been taking my medications wrong, okay? Um, but I changed my habits. And, you know, I I ended up changing jobs anyways to where I have to work a normal job, but like, how am I going to get past that sleepiness portion? Uh, Like, what am I going to do, right? And so I decided that I was going to take my medications at night. I know, right? Brainstorming. Yeah, like, ugh, eureka moment. I did that, and guess what? I now sleep better than I ever had in my whole entire life. I am not joking. Nope. Not joking. Just from switching my medications from, from, you know, in the morning, anywhere between 9 and 12, to now I do it at night between 9 and 12. And I'm feeling great my body feels great just because I'm taking my medication and I usually eat now here's my little habit here I I, I ignore breakfast most of the time it's it's pretty rare that I actually eat breakfast unless I have eggs and I can't afford eggs right now so I'm not really doing anything uh, intermittent fasting right now until eggs drop in price but I started so I'm doing the intermittent fasting in the morning because I'm not hungry in the and if, if you're not hungry, you shouldn't be eating. You know how some people tell you that you need to eat in the morning? No, you don't. I, I want coffee in the morning, and that's it. If I do eat anything, it's like a bite of something. Like a bite of leftover last night, and that's it. Right? And it's usually meat. Yay, meat. I'll have a bite of meat. I'm good, okay, <coughs> if I eat anything at all. And um, now that I'm actually... I like I prefer regular dinner you know, regular dinner around 6 o'clock or so so, and then I'll go to bed at like around 11 or 12 o'clock at night so I mean there's that window of not eating for 5 or 6 hours after I eat and um, so I, I'm trying to take my medication like right after I eat and this has been so helpful for me for the past week that that's the reason why I needed to share it it's like you know what if your if your patterns wrong try switching around your medication it's like if you were taking in the morning try taking it at night and it's such a simple absurdly easy thing to do I don't know why I didn't think about this 12 years ago I was having problems falling asleep and I didn't know why or like my heart was racing or something now I don't have problems with that so medication goes to work right away and Um, you know, always check with your pharmacist first, right? To make sure everything's okay with doing that. I haven't done that yet. Um, I'll I'll actually ask them next time I go in to, um, pick up my medications. But definitely check with your pharmacist. But it's something to where my body feels so much better. And, um... Something else is kind of interesting about taking metformin. If if you if you're on the fence right now, if you're pre-diabetic and on the fence, I would suggest. And this goes against some doctors, but no, I wouldn't go against doctors. It would be it probably go against more of the naysayers who are against any type of drug for diabetes. And there's some fakes on there too, so beware of them. Um, definitely check out the people that I suggest that you actually listen to because they're on the right page. There's some quacks out there who are not, but anyways, let me get back to what I was saying, but, um, Metformin has literally been life-saving and life-changing for me in a good way. Before I actually started taking Metformin, um, 12 years ago, I had issues, and you may have issues with this too, and believe it or not, this is a high blood or high blood sugar warning. Cracked feet. I've had problems with cracked feet since I was a kid. So, um, I had actually learned on YouTube through one of my doctors. I call them my doctors, by the way. I think it's so cute. They're not. They don't even know I exist, but. Excuse me but uh your feet like 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 your 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 regular doctor is going to tell you to watch your feet and so i mean there, there's definitely something to that many of the doctors that are on youtube the good ones anyways and I've, I've mentioned who they were before in previous episodes so if you need to go you know look at like pay attention to your feet and stuff videos i have those videos up but um your feet is, a, is an amazing indicator of if uh, you're keeping blood sugars down or not. And I always noticed one thing about my father, for instance. My father, he was a diabetic, which meant I was going to be diabetic, I guess, and yeah, that was correct. But he had no issues with his, well, he did have some issues with his feet. But his came in the form of accidents. So he, he ended up with wounds that would never heal. That's a sign of diabetes. And with cracked feet, it's no exception. These are horrible, horrible ways for somebody to like go out of this world. It's by losing piece by piece, limb by limb. It's a horrible way to go out. And um, when you have fissures that happen in the bottoms of your feet, and you're letting bacteria in, So you constantly have to be going over your feet just to double-check everything. But when you're taking metformin, um, because it does regulate your blood sugars, your feet are gonna... like If you've always had cracked feet, like I've always had cracked feet when I was a kid, like that heals. Because I literally pay hardly any attention to my feet now because I, I don't have that problem because I take my medication. I don't have a lot of fissures happening in my feet and if I do, then I I can definitely one, fill it, um, and of course some diabetics actually lose feeling in their feet. Then I just spritz it down with some alcohol and I, I actually do keep, um, a spray bottle of alcohol on me so that if I even have an inkling that I might have, like a little tear or something going on with my feet, I spray them down with alcohol. I want to kill that immediately then I I may put um, some socks on to actually prevent anything from getting on the inside of my foot and starting an infection. So you don't want that to happen. So, but yeah, I have had lots of issues where I was just kind of used to it as a kid, walking around with cracked feet. And of course it's not very attractive when you're wearing sandals or whatnot. So it is important to actually keep your feet clean And it's dang near impossible when your blood sugars are out of control, so I mean this is a good indicator. Now, my my doctor would probably have a heart attack if he knew I wasn't checking my blood sugars on a regular basis. I don't. I check it once in a blue moon, but I know pretty much where it's going to be at, because it always is. Um, But I do check it on occasion. I just tell people I don't, but I do. But a good indicator to me is like if my feet start cracking up and stuff, then I will check my blood sugars because if it's not my medication, then it might be because I'm overly stressed. Because overly stressed can actually raise your blood sugars as well. It's not a great feeling. You know, a lot of us with uh, diabetes do suffer from either depression or anxiety or both. And I didn't even think that both could happen until I've had both. Not at the same time, of course. Now another good indicator of high blood sugar is the fact that you might have these really weird red patches. Like some people get them on the back of the neck, I've never had that one, but some people do get them on the back of the neck. Um, under the armpits, I've definitely gotten those. Or in the groin area. Now this is an unexplained phenomena that they don't really talk about with diabetics. Because these weird rashes, they come and they go. and. I started thinking about it, and of course I do a lot of thinking, I may be wrong, but a lot of times I'm right, so I'm going to go ahead and just say it, but, um, I think it might be some type of form of yeast, and as you know, with yeast, um, sugar feeds into it, so certain things can actually grow on your skin, and it's weird, I mean, spritz it down with alcohol, and it may actually disappear, you can rub it off, it's... So weird. It's, it's almost like something is growing on your skin. And you spritz with alcohol, it kills it. And or you, you take it and take a shower too. I mean it dies relatively easy, but then it might spring back up. Um always important. Make sure that you know your peri area is dry, your armpits are dry, back of your neck is dry because uh, anywhere where there's moisture, this yeast, as I call it, I may be wrong with the terms here, but it'll it'll grow on you because your body is so sugary. <laughs> and all these things love it. So I'm not quite sure what's going on in the whole culture of our bodies and stuff. Flora of our bodies, I'm going to call it but uh, for whatever reason it helps to grow so you know that your blood sugars are in check and that we're not supposed to be sugary when that stuff goes away you don't have issues with it you don't even think about it but other times it can make your skin really sore too especially in in the peri area so it, it can make your skin feel raw and it's uncomfortable And sometimes only, like, a a gold bond will actually make that pain go away. So, just so you know, if you're having issues with that, gold bond's the way to go. Um, the gold bond actually dries things out very well. I'm a little bit, you know, skeptical, especially after the whole Johnson & Johnson thing about using any type of powder or whatnot. (laughs) But they haven't pulled it from the shelves yet, so it's, it's golden in my book. Works. Um helps dry things out, but yeah, mainly it's because of, of that that area being, I hate this word too, moist. <laughs> this is very appropriate for for these areas. So, just use a, a little bit of Gold Bond. Um, that is a medicated powder. It has, uh, I had to grab my bo- bottle pretty fast to see what it has in there, but it ha- it's an anti-itch. Uh, it has menthol 0.15% in it inactive ingredients are talic, zinc oxide, acacia, cynical gum, eucalyptol, menthol sal salicylic acid, thymol, and zinc sterite. Okay, stop laughing at me for those who can actually understand what I'm saying and think that I'm saying it wrong. I'm not a chemist. But anyways, the stuff in Gold Bond, uh, the medicated, works pretty freaking well. And it might have something to do with the zinc oxide and uh, the other ingredients that they actually put in it. So, good stuff, but again, um, you know, you you need to do your own research. Talk to your doctor, because um, I don't know if it's the same stuff as what baby powder has in it and why that lawsuit actually happened, so I'm not going to actually suggest it. I'm just going to say what I use. That was not recommended by my doctor, nor did I ask him about it, because I didn't think that was any of his business. but um, i'm talking here about survival of you know us diabetics so um oops covered my mic so i'm all about the survival and and what we go through and like that's the worst part about my whole diabetes experience that and i have like i i actually survived a domestic violence incident and i never reported it as domestic violence but it was with my second husband soon to be ex and um he yelled so violently in my ear like this was before he left and went to his girlfriend and another baby that he never told me about but um he yelled so loudly in my ear i've had issues ever since so it's been about seven years and my ear still thumps sometimes it blocks up and i have no idea what causes that um Hopefully it's not, um, something too tremendously bad, because I can hear out of it now, but for years I couldn't hear out of it, out of my, my right ear. So, um, so it's kind of opened up a little bit, but it still thumps, like, there's still something going on, in there, like, either burst an eardrum or something, and I, I had a hard time, because he never laid a hand on me, technically, to hurt me but um like like i was upset at the time because you know he was cheating on me had a baby out of you know with this other woman never bothered i didn't even know she existed and this was six months into our marriage and um then he just decided he was gonna he was gonna scream as loud as he could and i guess he had somebody do this to him while he was in the military so this was military training that he got when he was in germany and so basically he battered me with what he was trained with. And I guess you can get away with that. And I'm like, it was so odd and weird what happened. I, I didn't even know how else to deal with it. So I just, I just suffered internally for years until probably now. So that's the traumatic events that actually happened. But, um, so yeah, I think he broke an eardrum or something in my ear. So... I can I can still hear out of it, but there are times when it closes up, and I can't hear at all. So it's another signal that my blood sugars are too high. So the point that I'm trying to make is you can feel out what your body's trying to tell you, and it doesn't always affect you 100% of the time. Sometimes it's just when your blood sugars are high and then when they come back down then everything relieves itself and you forget about it like some people they get chronic headaches i know that when i was first diagnosed with high blood pressure for instance i ended up in the emergency room because of the the chronic headaches that i actually had and since i took the blood pressure medication it was like gone within a couple of days so i mean boom fixed it so anyways i just wanted to notate that um When your feet look pretty good, it's probably because you have your blood sugars in check. So, and considering I've been, I've been doing a lot of, um, uh, carb avoiding, I guess you can call it, um, now your doctors probably told you, like, if you're pre-diabetic, they probably said, said, limit your carbs, blah, blah, blah. And that does work. Um, you're allowed to have some carbs, not a lot of carbs. You don't have to go keto, by means, but um, you know the doctor will tell you. Oh, or, it's not even the doctor; it's the dietitian that will tell you. You can eat, limit your carbs to like half a piece of bread or something like that. And mind you, they mean well, but technically speaking, if you eat a piece of bread with your sandwich. Um, you've probably already gone over your carb limit, your carb load for the day. Um, with, depending on what you have on your burger, or your, I should say your sandwich. Like for instance, if you're putting lettuce on there, and some tomato, and some other things, you gotta remember that vegetables have carbs, too. (laughs) It's just a different kind of carb. Like for instance, if you just made like a meat sandwich or something, with your sandwich meat, and cheese maybe, you'd be in good shape. But as soon as you start adding bread to the mix, bread, you just, you just got to start looking at bread like you do sugar. And sugar as poison, because that's exactly what it is. Next thing you know, you're going to be slapping sugar out of, out of people's hands and canned colas. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's going to be hard not to do. It's kind of like an ant, somebody who's smoked before, and then they stop smoking, and then watching other people smoke. And then you just want to slap the cigarette out of their hand and i'm not quite sure why other people do this i think this is out of jealousy of not being able to smoke why somebody who's next smoker does this but they do do it sometimes and uh, not me i actually just took it internally and just kind of like borrowed a cigarette from somebody i'm like oh can i have a cigarette and then they're feeling awfully pleased with themselves because they think i'm gonna get they're gonna get me smoking again and then i just take it and crush it in my hand and they're mortified and uh, that's how i get my delight is by you know destroying things it'd be kind of like if somebody handed me a joint and i took it and flushed it down the toilet which i would get extreme delight out of doing like drugs not a problem i will dump that in the garbage or i will pour out your alcohol or something because it means nothing to me that's that's sometimes the point you have to get to with substances that you don't want in your body and and to make a point with people. And of course they think you're awfully strange and weird. And they're mortified by the fact that you did that. But I think it's so much fun. Try it sometime. why <laughs> like is fun. Go flush somebody's cocaine down the toilet. They'll hate you forever. But man, that'll really make an impact. Like you want to make a point with somebody. Steal their stash. Flush it down the toilet. I'm just saying. I'm not the kind of friend you want around if you do drugs. So back to sugar, I mean, I'm not the kind of person that'll take people's sugar and, like, pour it down the drain yet. Um, Just because, like, like, a lot of these habits are highly inappropriate in society. I mean, nobody wants to be the office talk of somebody taking the whole bag of sugar and pouring it down the drain. But, you know, I have other ways that I get around this by not providing sugar but providing coffee. So I'm the nice person, but I'm not providing creamer, I'm not providing sugar, if you want that stuff, you can get it yourself. But I'll give you the coffee, that's not a problem. So I picked up this very aromatic, chocolate-smelling, caramel, delicious coffee that I picked up at the store, and I brought it into the office. I had an extra bag of it, and I knew that uh, they took coffee donations, so I was more than happy to bring some in, I had some extra. So I brought it in and shared it. I I didn't even want any. I have some at home, so I don't necessarily need it. I wanted the rest of the office to enjoy it, and they have been. I love the smell of the coffee. Um, Every time I walk past the coffee pot, it smells like chocolate and tastes like caramel and is just absolutely exquisite. But me personally, I wouldn't ruin the taste by actually adding sugar. I think it's a little bit easier to quit sugar if you've grown up with your parents not giving you sugar, because they knew that you might be insulin resistant. Um, the fact that I wasn't on metformin when I was five really surprises me because I had all the symptoms of actually being insulin resistant as a very young age. And some of my audience may be going through this now as well. So I do realize that there are certain younger people that do listen to the podcast on occasion. As well as every range in every category. I wasn't diagnosed as insulin resistant until I was in my mid-30s. When I should have been diagnosed at 5. But because my parents never took me to the doctor. I mean literally never. The only health care I ever got was from a nurse in uh, elementary school, I think. And uh, insulin resistance wasn't like a known thing back then. Like, they didn't think anything of it. And now you have, you know, 10, 12-year-olds coming down with insulin resistance type 2. Very strange. Um, That's definitely something in the diet. And it's no surprise to me, really, by what... They actually serve in the schools and stuff. I mean, they serve carbs. Um, and it affects every walk of life. It doesn't matter. You go into a fancy restaurant, you're going to have your carb dishes. If you go to middle middle of the road, like Applebee's or something, carby food. If you go to cafeteria, um, any of your institutions, your jailhouses, your, um, um, what do you call it, your um schools they're all gonna be carby even down to the homeless shelters i mean most of the food at the homeless shelter is carbs like lots of it tastes good but still carbs the only exception i found that actually served you food that was appropriate for consumption is in the hospitals like when they serve their patients and it's really funny I actually love the hospitals because usually when I go into the hospital which hasn't been a while but back in the days when I have gone and I've had to stay overnight for a night or two or whatever they've literally said you can have whatever you want on the menu and that's what shocked me if I wanted ice cream I could actually have ice cream not everybody is that lucky But the thing is, is that I won't pick the ice cream because I know how my body reacts to it. This is what's different between me and what they'll allow. I'm stricter with myself than even the doctors are. But there are times that I'm surprised nobody's called me out for it. I'm sure they're just talking behind my back and that's fine. I don't really care about what they say because they're not my friends. But they might say, oh, snicker, snicker. She had a hot dog, and she ordered a small fries with that combo. Yeah, I probably did eat the small fries, which is, like, not good for anybody over 50, either. It was a small fry, for one, and two, I don't have them very often. So sometimes I enjoy a treat with small fry. Not very often. It's very bad for you, especially what they cook it in. It's more than likely it's like a cottonseed oil, which isn't even a food. (laughs) And the next thing is the fact that it's a potato which is a great food, unfortunately not for a diabetic. Um, And I love potatoes, but not while I have diabetes. (laughs) And occasionally, yeah, I do like to eat potatoes, but in small quantities, very small quantities. But it's a little bit different when you know your foods. When you know what your foods are cooked in, what your foods will do to your body, how you feel afterwards, when you can read read the signals of your body, you know when you're not feeling well. And here's the other odd thing, is I go through cycles. There are times when I feel like a million bucks. And then there are times when I feel sicker. I'm like sick. And I, I do go through those periods with my medication even. Um, but it's not very often. When I take my medications, it's not very often. If I was not taking my medications, it would happen nearly every damn day. Every day, not feeling good. Because um, if healthcare is taken away from me, then I obviously don't have what I need. And I did go through a period of time when I did not have my medications. I could not afford my medications. I could not afford to get to the doctors to get my medications. There was no money there and it's a a damn shame and yeah i am cussing a little bit sorry darn shame when somebody has to decide if they're going to have a roof over their head or if they're going to have medication like what are we doing to people here and then you have people who choose their medication they're like well hey you know my medications are life-saving i gotta take my medications they end up homeless now they don't have an address now they don't have anything And it's really insulting when I hear people, and I, I do read comments on Quora, and I do watch YouTube, and it just, it's just absolutely a damn shame when I hear people saying, well, if they're homeless, they brought it on themselves. That is, like, the most ignorant statement I have ever heard in my whole entire life. And that person can go die, okay? They can go play in traffic. Because that's not funny. When you're actually telling a diabetic that they can go die. Your opinion is not necessary. Just keep your damn mouth shut. We have a hard enough time as it is. We have our friends and family who will avoid us now that we're diabetics. Just because we're diabetic! Like, they don't even have to catch it! You might as well have said AIDS! Like, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying run away from somebody with AIDS either. But I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that this, you know, people say you brought it on yourselves. No, heredity, heredity brought it on me. My father was diabetic. My mother was probably just never diagnosed as a diabetic, which meant I had a hundred percent chance of getting diabetes just due to heredity the way that I ate was the same way my family ate. They ate lots of potatoes. They ate lots of bread. Just like every other poor person did. Beans. Potatoes. Breads. You know, sweets. This is just normal life. Now, mind you, I wasn't allowed to eat sweets as much as the rest of my family was, because Growing up, I had a weight problem, which was is a huge sign of insulin resistance right off the bat. And if I am showing signs of insulin resistance at four and five years old, you know, my father, he, who had been diagnosed diabetic, kind of knew the warning signs because he had talked to his doctor, and his doctor told him, which means that he was caring for his kids. And now, the rest of his kids were thin. The rest of my brothers and my sister, they didn't have weight problems. I had one. So they could eat sweets, I could not. And that's really hard for a kid, by the way. Because now we're gonna sneak around and get sugar (laughs) where we're not supposed to. So I'm gonna like, uh, go out of my way to go to the little shop across the street, the sweet shop, and get myself some hubba bubba bubblegum and chew it all day. And of course that's not doing anything for my insulin resistance, but I don't know because I'm ignorant to the fact. I don't know. I have no idea why my parents don't want me to eat sugar. They haven't pointed it out. They haven't explained it to me. They just kept me in the dark about it. And I'm here I am in the dark until I'm 35 and I'm diagnosed with high blood pressure and diabetes. So, my parents are protecting me. They wanted me to live as normal life as I possibly could, but they knew. They just didn't bother to tell me. So, if you know a kid, or you have a kid, you might be a little bit chunky you might want to actually um get their a1c tested i don't know if doctors will do that but they really should because we need to stop this in its tracks i think that the sooner you actually get diagnosed with uh, either pre-diabetes or diabetes um the longer you'll live because the sooner you get on medications means that um you're gonna have a normal life otherwise your life's gonna suck now, with my parents, I think my father always knew that I had issues with the whole diabetes thing. And um, so, like, at 14, I went went into foster care, and I never even thought about this, but my father, he was a cheap bastard, you know, he um, he was cheap. And, of course, he didn't spend his money on his kids. He spent his money on, on his alcohol, and he spent his money on his house, and on his toys. And you know, had to have the four cars, and boat and all these tools that he never used and um it's all right that was his life or whatnot but i went into foster care when i was 14 but i think the real reason why i went into foster care was not the abuse that i had the physical abuse that i went through it was because my father was at a point where he didn't know what to do with me he didn't want to send me to the doctor because he didn't want to get me checked out i was having some other issues as well but I think uh, the reason why I ended up going to foster care, not, not to mention he was just not responsible, but the fact that, you know, I had two parents that were not responsible. And because if they were, I would have gone into the doctors, I would have been on medications to actually correct the issues. Instead back then, and it might have just been bad medical training back then, because back then, um, because I was having period issues where I wasn't having my period right away, they put me on birth control. I wasn't having sex or anything they just put me on birth control because I was actually showing signs of insulin resistance way back then uh today they call it um PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome and this is basically where you're insulin resistant so I was showing signs at an early age that I was indeed insulin resistant it was actually the foster care system ran by the government the kicks in where normal, ordinary people don't, that actually, uh, determined my diagnosis. And they didn't call me PCOS, they just said I had some fibroids on my, my uterus. It was bad enough to where it stopped my periods, and I was okay with that, it wouldn't be. Then they make me take this nasty birth control, and now I'm forced to have periods, and my body's just like, ah. They weren't taking care of the root cause, people. They were just basically putting a band-aid on my situation. So, I've actually technically have been insulin resistant since I was a child. And so I can understand why some children may be insulin resistant as well. And no amount of dieting or starving yourself or exercising. I hate to be the bearer of bad news here. Like, because really, I mean, this is how bad it was. I had to uh, walk around my, 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 um, my little town for about two hours. That was what I did every morning. And for two hours, I went for a walk. It was totally unnecessary. I mean, you only need a half an hour anyways a day. But that's what I did. And I, con- I did continue that into adulthood. Um, however, I went to the gym instead and realized I only needed half an hour and every other day, I didn't even need it every day, but, um, they thought that this would actually help me to lose weight. (laughs) Well, no, if they would have put me on the right medications, if they would have put me on metformin, which I don't know if they put the kids on that or not, but but if I would have been on metformin or something where it actually reduced my blood sugars, I would have been just fine. And you'll have to forgive me, but I didn't correlate all of this until recently. Sometimes it's hard to tell your story right after it's happened. You don't know what's actually going on, but then when you get older, you start realizing things. Like, okay, I had two irresponsible, cheap parents. Uh, They didn't really care too much about me or what happened to me, because they had plenty of kids. So if one died, not a big deal, they still got five more left. Um, And they were scared. Like, they, they were scared something was really seriously wrong. Like, the worst case scenario... I could have died when I was a kid. But, best case scenario is I lived. Which I did. And I learned it's not really important to have periods. <laughs> so, if you think you need to have a period, no. They're they're horrible. I, I, I hated going through it when I did. I actually stopped taking birth control in my, my 20s. I didn't want to go that route. I had decided because I didn't have health insurance anyways and I had decided that um I was better off not being on birth control because I had had an aunt who tried for years she, like she was on birth control when she was a kid not not a kid sorry young adult should say and um she wasn't able to conceive until she was 40 or so so because she had been on birth control for such a long time she's having a hard time conceiving so I took that into respects because I did want to get married one day. I did want to have children. And so I figured that if I stopped the birth control, that um, that I'd be able to have children when I got married. Well, when I got married, I didn't have children. It just didn't happen. And hey, my, my husband was happy. If it, ha- if it happened, it was fine. If it didn't happen, that was fine. That's a normal, healthy relationship, right? Uh, the not normal is when the guy's insisting that you actually have kids and you can't produce any that's not healthy obviously or when you definitely want a kid and it you know you're gonna force the situation by going through retro fertilization and then having like a four-headed you know elephant man or something not normal but when i look back on it then i can actually give the advice of what i've been through and what i would actually suggest and um of course i might do another another talk on this later i need to actually uh look it up a little bit about just see i don't even know if they give children metformin or not but i would th- hope that if somebody is showing signs of insulin resistance that they could actually be on it as soon as they can be on it, instead of waiting until you're 35. And because I mean, a lot of damage can actually happen to your body during that period of time. And I just wanted to say it's scary having any disease, especially when you don't have the knowledge of how to actually fix that disorder or that disorder cannot be fixed. But you really have to start looking at it. If you already have diabetes, you need to start looking at it as a superpower. And I've talked about this too. I know, it sounds weird. What? Diabetes being a superpower? Are you crazy? Okay, a little bit. Hear me out. I've actually talked about this before, as I said. But the reason being, I mean, like, okay, so like 10,000 years ago, it would have been a superpower. Maybe even 5,000. Maybe even like 200 years ago. When people went through periods of starvation and kept you alive and i do have a few doctors who actually do listen to my channel and some of them agree with me others they think i'm a quack and it's okay i'm not a doctor so don't judge me i'm just a diabetic girl yeah this is just my opinion that i get from other doctors and i think these other doctors that i've mentioned are great but um they're still stuck on the food pyramid and i'm like going oh, you're a doctor. Stop being an idiot. Come on. Think for yourself. But I'm living it. I'm in the process of living my life as a diabetic. So you learn things that doctors just have no explanation for. And I know that doctors don't know everything. They don't know everything. Even even some of the experts I've talked to don't know, know everything. And the dynamics may change in 20 years. Like, they have changed in 20 years, the past 20, 30 years. They have changed. Like, we're always learning new things, especially with the internet coming out. I mean, this is an amazing tool to actually learn more about your superpower. The thing that kept your ancestors alive all those years. And here you are today. You're surviving it. You are not a victim of your circumstances of diabetes, but you're a survivor of your diabetes. Now, Dr. Sarah Hallberg, for instance, is no longer with us, but she had an amazing talk on diabetes through TED Talks. And I would seriously look her up and listen to what she had to say. She, um, and I have I have actually talked about her before as well but listen to what she has to say. You may not, you may be pressed for time. You may not have a lot of time. You may only have my podcast where I'm actually talking, but if you have time to listen to these amazing people, you can see where they had it all wrong in med school and that um, the new technologies and the new ways of actually dealing with diabetes is going to be phenomenal. So you just make that goal of living as long as you can because the thing is is that um, there may be a better drug out in the future than metformin. Um, And there will be some doctors who criticize it for some reason. I honestly think it's the doctors who criticize it. I mean, they have not shown me a lot of scientific evidence of why it's bad. (laughs) That's a little bit concerning, but um like it doesn't hold weight with how many benefits actually has and if you can actually control your type two with diet you know what god's blessed you because there's some of us who can't and that's fine some of us need to be on the metformin some of us need the diet um some of some people are so bad off that they actually need to inject but the sooner, I think, that the sooner that you can actually change your dietary habits, the sooner you can take back control over what's controlling you. That's all I have to say. So, um, anyways, thank you so much for listening. This has been Margaret Kotman Frankowitz with another episode of Diabetic Survival. I will leave my link for Vimo on my page. Hopefully you can catch it within the 14 days, because it expires in 14 days. I'm not quite sure how much time is left on it. Well, actually, it was dated, like, the letter that I got was dated November 12th. So, today's the 12th. Um, It says it expires in 14 days. I'm kind of wondering if this link will ever expire, but... Um, I think it should have been expired already, but... Anyways, uh, that referral link, once again, was https, um, colon, slash, slash, get, g-e-t, dot, venmo, v-e-n-m-o, dot com, backslash, capital X, lowercase, n-s-w-f, uppercase, u-w-t-t, lowercase, u-b. That's my referral link to start that 14-day trial. And uh, use Venmo because that's a good way to send money to your kids or to your niece in the Philippines or something, you know, that, that could come in handy for you too, emergency situation. You lose a tire on the freeway, you don't have any money, you're $50 short. You know, your friend can send you 50 bucks at least short term until you can get that tire. So, um, Anyways, thank you again for listening. Please be kind to each other. Do something nice for your community. I know there's a lot of mean people out there right now. And, you know, just as always, mean people suck. Um, And to my haters, hate you too. And go away. And to the people who actually appreciate my channel, thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you have a wonderful day.